Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that is once again coming to you from Indianapolis, which is like the Vegas of Indiana, for lack of a better way of putting it. The NFL Scouting Combine is here, and it officially, get this, it officially starts today. We've been here since Monday, but that's how it goes because the workouts are kicking in, even though the interviews have already been going on with the players and the teams, and we've been interviewing players in a different way, not players, but people, people like coaches and GMs and media folks. And we're going to kick off the show with Greg Cosell of NFL Films, dig into his thoughts on C.J. Stroud, other current NFL quarterbacks and prospective quarterbacks and other stuff. Also, Chris Rose, you know him from NFL Network, formerly of MLB Network, and a whole bunch of other things. Drew Doherty's going to catch up with him, and he's a big Browns fan as well. He has a lot of thoughts on the Texans. Later on in the program, we'll dig in deep to the AFC South with Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, talk about the Jags, the division, all of it. And among the many teams the Texans are playing and traveling to this year, the New England Patriots, Mike Dusso from Patriots.com. Wait till you hear what he has to say about how the building has changed in the post-Belichick era so far. But let's kick it off with our buddy from NFL Films, Greg Cosell. The annual visit, it's always a pleasure. Greg, how's it going? Doing great, guys. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well. We had our conversation last year. I know we talked about C.J. Stroud. I feel like pulling up the audio a who's little he? bit. Who's he play for? I'm vaguely familiar. Right, Mike right, play right. for us. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, we got to start there, Greg. Your thoughts on what you saw this oh. year versus maybe expectations and the whole picture. I mean, I love C.J. Stroud. I mean, you know, and, again, that's that's a film thing. I, I happen to know the kid, too. I love the kid. But um, I, I just love the way he plays quarterback. Like, to me – and maybe it's old, you know, people would tell me I'm a dinosaur and it's old school, you know, because he doesn't run around, you know, mm. at the first sign of anybody near him, <laughs> you know. But to me, he plays the position, you know, the right way. The mm. way that I think leads to prolonged success in the league. Um, you know, it's funny. I remember, I think it might have been against the Colts. Was it week, Did you play the Colts week two? Yes. yes. That's correct. I remember seeing a play. It's funny how this stuff pops into my head, guys. Like, you know, I, I mean, it's just yeah. seeing a play week two where he threw a window throw in the middle of the field between the hashes, you know, where you have to throw with great anticipation. You have to understand the defense, okay? And I think the defense had late rotation. It might have been late rotation to cover two. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember I know the it. one you're talking about. It's exactly right. And – your recall is incredible. Yeah, and, and he made this throw, and I'm saying to myself, you know, that's NFL quarterbacking. That You can't teach that. You can work at it on the iPad. You can work on it on the board. You can go out and walk through it in practice. But when it's happening and you just see it at that speed and you know exactly what you're seeing and you make an anticipation throw, I just said to myself then, you know what, that's high-level quarterbacking right there. And that's the way he played most of the season. I mean, I just – and his accuracy, his ball location is just really high level. We knew that coming in. That wasn't a surprise. Right. But I loved how aggressive he was throwing the ball. You know, I, there's nothing about his game that to me was problematic. I mean, I think the guy is really, really good. <laughs> Coach, or Greg, when you were going through this last year at this time, and I know because right. you broke out your folder and you'd show all the reports and all the games you'd watched, and I'm obviously not putting you on the spot from this, but – I, I do remember you saying really good things about CJ because I did. in Houston, it was basically at the time, it was Bryce or nothing. Right. And because we had the number two pick, um, and I think at the combine, 
I don't think the Bears had made the move yet. I think it was the week after the combine where the Bears made the move with the Panthers. And so some people were thinking, well, you know, maybe the maybe there's a chance still to get Bryce. But at this point last year, what do you remember your thoughts about CJ and what kind of player he could be? And uh, did he exceed that in year one? I would say he exceeded, although I would say overall he was my number one guy for one simple reason. And, and by the way, Bryce Young, I know Bryce Young. I know his family. I mean, he's as good as there is. Yep. And it always made it sometimes a little hard for me to talk about him. Yeah. But I was told by someone who absolutely knows that when he played in the uh, college championship game against Georgia, his next to last year, that he weighed 169 pounds. Yeah, right here. Yeah. 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 And, you know, as, as much as you love Bryce Young, and there's nothing not to like about Bryce Young as a person, I'm thinking to myself, 169 pounds, you really can't play quarter. I mean, I know he weighed in here at 204, but that's not his normal weight. Yeah, right. You know, so, you know, CJ was my number one guy. I, I loved the way he threw it. Um, I loved, you know, the other thing he does really, really well, and I don't, I think you can talk about this. I'm not sure you can teach it, is he can tempo his throws. Yeah. He can make different kinds of throws. Yes. Mm. And I think that, that that's innate to him. He can do that. And so he was my number one. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say I knew that this would be what he did in his rookie right. season. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like I knew that. You know, right. I thought he'd have ups and downs. Mm -hmm. I really did. I mean, the fact that he threw five picks or whatever it was and, and didn't throw one for, you know, whatever it was or had a long stretch yeah, of yeah. not throwing a pick, I mean, that's pretty remarkable because he's not a check-down guy. Like, he was making throws. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, um, um, I mean, those comebacks he had, and I'm trying to remember, the, was it Tampa Bay was Tampa one Bay of them? Was one, yeah. And then – you know, I remember, was it um, on the left sideline he made a throw leading to yep. a field goal? I mean, that's a big-time throw now. Not every, I mean, just to turn that loose, I know the game situation is such that you can't throw a five-yard ball, but still, that's a big-time throw. And not everybody's turning that loose. Yep. Right, absolutely. Greg Cosell, NFL Films, with us on Texans Radio. All right, in our division, Anthony Richardson, he lives there too with the Indianapolis Colts, got hurt, showed some things early, especially running. But what do you think moving forward here, Greg? Um, I mean, look, you're dealing with a guy that obviously has, you know, great athletic tools, very gifted just in terms of athletic traits with size, which is a trait. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, he was a, a little better than I thought he'd be, given that he was very limited in his experience in college. Um, but I still think he's going to be at the stage in his life where in his quarterback life where he's going to run a lot. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's not going to see it as well, although I think Shane Steichen does a great job of, of, you know, just like he did with Hertz, of basically defining reads and throws to allow the quarterback to get the ball out. I think he's really good at that. Um, I think you would probably agree with that. Yep. Um, Absolutely. But I think that, you know, it, it'll still be a process. He'll have good moments, bad moments. But the running element, at, you know, is, is a big factor. I mean, the guy mm -hmm. is 6'4", 250, and, mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's a big dude. I mean, you could argue that the two most physically gifted quarterbacks in the NFL are Josh Allen and Anthony Richardson. Correct. And then, you know, which is not the same. I hope people understand as saying they're the best quarterbacks in the league. We're just talking about physical athletic traits. Right. Absolutely, there's no doubt. And a guy that's got some physical athletic traits and some toughness. We talked a little bit about on the air, and it was a guy that we saw twice. We also know that, I don't want to say he's playing with one hand tied behind his back, but with his offensive line, things kind of moving around. That was Will Levis. Oh, yeah. Your thoughts on Will Levis, because we are going to see him twice here with Tennessee. Yeah. I know Tennessee coaches seem to really like him. Your thoughts about Will 
tough year at times, showed some promise. Your thoughts about Will Levis? Well, it's interesting because I happen to know a coach who was on the Kentucky staff, you know, his last year. And he told me that Levis in, in – um, in, in August training camp, that all the you know when the NFL scouts come down and you know start doing their work and all that, he said the scouts were blown away because Levis is incredibly tough. Obviously has a hose and he's yep. got that compact delivery. Yep. Super tough mentally and physically. Apparently an incredibly smart kid. Yep. And people were saying, oh my God, this guy's a top five pick. And then, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, he had two injuries. He was actually told by the medical department in Kentucky that he shouldn't be playing. Correct. And he said, no, 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 it's my last year, I'm playing. And he, wow. And this coach told me that they had to scrap a lot of the things that they did in August that they anticipated doing because he, the nature of his injuries was such that he couldn't do those things. So I like Will Levis. I mean, I think, um, I know you had Coach Mack on or before. I, I don't know if you're talking about Will Levis, but, I, you know, before I came on, we were talking. I think he will have some plays where you scratch your head. Yep. I think he'll have it. As he's learning, he's going to have those plays. He's so confident in his ability. He stands in the pocket, sometimes to his detriment, although I think it's a positive when you stand in the pocket like that. He'll have to figure that out. But I'd rather a guy do that than leave the pocket too early and break down your offense. Mm. You know, that's something Stroud never does, by the way. Stroud lets the offense work for him. Yep. He never prematurely leaves the pocket. That's a positive, by the way. Mm -hmm. I think Levis is like that sometimes, as I said, to his detriment. And obviously they had arguably, as you guys know, being in the same division, the worst offensive line in football. <laughs> they couldn't block the three of us, you know. Um, so they're going to try to address that. They obviously have a great O-line coach now in Bill Callahan. So uh, the players that they have, and I'm sure they'll address it in free agency in the draft, but whoever they have will be better because of Bill Callahan. But I, I think Levis will be a good player. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and make a prediction, yeah. but I think he'll be a good player. Greg Cosell, NFL Films with us. All right, since we're doing the division theme, Trevor Lawrence, how yeah. it started, how it's going. I know he's banged up at the end of the year. That's a big factor, but he was out there. When you're out there, you're going to be evaluated. you got to so, play. So, so what do you think? You know what? He is the perfect uh, representation of why no one should ever say someone's a generational player. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I think I like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to be a good player. But, you know, let's wait till guys play in the league before we anoint them. You know, he's a big kid. He throws it well. He's tough. I mean, he's got everything you want, but he's had ups and downs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously he got hurt a little bit last year, but but you're 100% right. I mean, he if you're out there, no one cares about that. Yep. You know, you can't give the press conference after the game and say, you know, I was hurt. I really shouldn't have played. No one cares about it. You're out yeah. there playing football. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with Ron Jaworski for a really long time, and Jaws was as tough as they come. He had At one point, he had the most consecutive games played in the league, and Jaws you know, was the one who basically told me, you know, you're playing. You're out there. The rest doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. that, that's just the way it is. You're, this is the nature. Everybody understands who plays that this is the nature of the sport. And, and you know who would agree with you? Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. I was just going to yeah. say that. He mm -hmm. would agree. He's yeah. that kind of guy. Yep. You know, so, you know, I, I think he's a good player. You'd like to believe he'll improve. Um, but, you know, the league is, is unforgiving at times. You know, that's – look, C.J. Stroud could come in this year and have a bad game week too. Does that mean he can't play quarterback? Of course not. You know, yeah. these that's the way the league is. You know, it's yeah. unforgiving. Guys don't have – 
great games every week. Everybody's going to study in your division in particular and your opponents. I know the opponents thing has come out. Obviously, the schedule hasn't. They're going to study C.J. Stroud and your offense because it's slow at his back in great detail. And you know what? They'll have different responses and different answers. And now C.J. is going to have to have different responses and different answers. That's the way the league works. Good point. Good point. Um, one more for you here. Yeah. Do we apply the same thing? Because a lot of people call Caleb Williams gener uh, generational talent. Not oh, his, my God. Not his fault, but yeah. they've got to stop that. Yeah. they got to stop that. He's – and I know the way you guys think about football, so you probably do in many ways the same way I do. He is a fascinating conversation that leads to a larger conversation of the evolution of quarterback play because – where does where do coaches where do people fall on the spectrum between you know above the x's and o's off script plays versus the ability to play with consistent precision from the pocket mm -hmm. where do you fall on that some coaches you know love the fact that wow the guys make wow plays other coaches are like hey we got to make the layups here you yeah. know we got when it's third and seven you know you got to throw an eight yard ball and it's got we got to get a first down you know so Obviously, he's a highly talented player. No one's going to question the, the high-level talent. And he does control the ball extremely well. He's one of those guys, he, can, he just controls where he throws it really well. But, you know, you, you didn't see a ton. I'm sure he, he's capable of doing it, but you didn't see a ton of rhythmic play mm. from him. And so, you know, are, are we... Is it fair to assume that that's automatically going to happen? Is that an unrealistic hope? I mean, mm. I don't have the answer. Believe me, I don't have the answer to that. Unfortunately, my career doesn't depend on that. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, those are legitimate questions. Yep. But there's no question he's very gifted. That, that, that's, no one would mm. say he's not. All right, Greg, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. Love it. All right, there's our visit with Greg Cosell of NFL Films. Now, Chris Rose, NFL Network. I love that Sunday night highlight show. Yeah, I still watch a highlight show. That's how I catch up with what I missed while I'm calling the Texans games. I watch that NFL Network highlight show at 6.30. He does a tremendous job with that and really with anything he does. Here's Drew catching up with Chris Rose. All right, you recognize this guy. You recognize his voice. Chris Rose, NFL Network, also longtime fan of oh. the best damn. So You're the one. We found you. That <laughs> away. All right, let's start with this. The next step forward for the Houston Texans is? Well, first of all, you know I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And now, now, now we're shoving a Texans mic in my face. Like, it wasn't bad enough that y'all embarrassed us. Hey, you, you guys ruined Christmas for us, so it's kind of tit for tat. Yeah, that's not, it's not even. That's not even. I will gladly take a, uh, a big lump of coal on Christmas for a playoff home win. But it was actually a great season for you guys. So the question is next step. Well, you've got the two most important pieces, right? You've got your coach and you've got your quarterback. And C.J. Stroud, I mean, I don't remember a rookie season quite like that, where it's one thing to put up the yardage, that he did and have those amazing late season victories against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati and all that sort of stuff. But a, usually a rookie quarterback is going to make a couple of plays a game where you're like, what the hell is he thinking? Like, what was that? You won't got almost none of that. He had one game where he, I think he had multiple turnovers maybe and was just so clean and so precise and then so great on top of it. So we've got that. They probably need a little bit more playmaking ability. I thought Devin Singletary was great last year, but I'd like to see a little bit more out of there. It'll be interesting to see what they do with their wide out situation. Obviously, there were a lot of injury 
issues there. The Tank Dell injury was a crusher. Uh, I love that kid. I thought he was great. And by the way, I'm not telling people how to coach, but let's not put him in anywhere near the line of scrimmage when we're at the goal line anytime soon. Killed my son's fantasy season. Don't worry, we've moved on in the Rose household. You know, defense, they made a ton of strides. You know, you could always go another corner in addition, right? You guys are looking up, man. And it was such a quick turn, too, because we thought we'd be here going, okay, well, what are the Cardinals going to do with two top seven picks or whatever? <laughs> Joke's on us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough if you're a Cardinals draft fan in that regard. So you brought up Stroud. Expand the horizons. Mm-hmm. You can compare him to a former quarterback, but you can compare him to a book character, a movie character, an animal. Who does C.J. Stroud remind you of? I'll stay in my lane here with NFL, and he, he had a real Burrow feeling to me, to be honest with you. I mean, why, not, why don't we go there? Now, Burrow, I think, probably took more chances. His team wasn't nearly as good as rookie year, and he only had half of it before he blew out his knee. But I thought just the way he handled things composure-wise, the way the ball comes out of his hand the whole bit, pretty impressive, man. And his, his mentality, it's, that's the big thing. His eyes never seem to get big. Really, really, he's great. I mean, y'all should feel good. You should feel real good that um, I'm rooting for Bryce Young. I hope that he turns the corner down there and gets a chance to and doesn't get beat up and all that sort of stuff. But he did a good job. Chris Rose of the NFL Network at the Combine in Indianapolis. Chris, let's talk sliders, draft, some of the great players that everyone's predicting were going to go pretty, pretty high. Who's somebody that might slide that the mm-hmm. Texans could pounce on and he'd really make this team better? Well, that's where I think that's where that run's going to be on corners. The kid uh, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo. I don't. I think he's a goner. By then, Kool Aid McKistry. I would draft him just based on the nickname. I mean, for God's sakes, your marketing department's probably salivating over that one, right? So, you you could be good there and have some bookend corners that are really really good. I think that would be fun for you guys. I think that's your next step, right? You've got your pass rusher. You can always go with, with pass rushers, too. You know, Dallas Turner's probably going to be the first one off the board, but there's a bunch of other guys that will be available there. I mean, listen, here's the great thing. You want as many quarterbacks to go as possible before 23. Like you would love it if there are five that are gone. You know, hope, you hope that it sounds like J.J. McCarthy will be the fourth guy and then maybe Bo Nix depending on how people feel about him, you're praying because that you want him, you want other teams to draft what you already have, right? We don't need a quarterback. So that way you get a better player. All right, last thing. Think of all the bright things in the world, the sunshine, uh, whatever. An atomic blast. How bright is the Texans' future in your eyes? Really bright. Now, it's if it went from a horrific division to fascinating mm-hmm. in less than a year, right? Because now you've got – you got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, and they took a step back last year. I don't know exactly what happened with them. Uh, he's got to be a little bit better. I think Anthony Richardson is an amazing player. And so Tennessee's the one that's kind of trying to figure out where they are. But three of the four teams with really young quarterbacks, it's great. And the thing that'll be the difference is how you attack the offseason and how healthy you can be. And that's it. Indianapolis was not healthy, and somehow they stayed in that thing until – the last game where y'all took care of them so it's really really good but they're not pulling away from that division just because of all the other young quarterbacks that are there pretty solid organizations in my opinion chris it's awesome talking with you appreciate the insight thanks so much for the time absolutely i didn't get one apology for the playoff loss not one not one you're not going to get it ever it's okay i understand because if the roles were reversed and i were asking you the questions 
I wouldn't apologize either. It was a good game. I was uh, happy for you guys. Not really, but it's okay. And that's the beauty of sports. We don't. We can hate each other's teams. But I do have a. I do have a, a, a little affinity for your club because Nick Casario and I went to the same high school. Is that right? It's true in Cleveland, Ohio. How far apart were you? I'm a lot older. Okay, okay. I know. Yeah, what a story. For, great quarterback in college. And I know. Right down the road at John Carroll did his business. Good Jesuit school. All right. Well, Chris, thanks for the time. Absolutely. Fun to hear Drew and Chris Rose converse. And speaking of conversing, we will do that with Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get into the Jags situation as they melted down toward the end of the year. But what are the prospects like for 2024? And Frank's thoughts on the rest of the division as well. And the NFL at large It's coming up. It's Texans Radio. Keeping it going here from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We talk a lot of AFC South on the show, of course, and there's no better way to do that than to get in touch with the voices of the AFC South. Actually, there might be equivalent or slightly better ways, but we haven't found them. And Frank Frangi is one of those voices, Jacksonville Jaguars play-by-play for a long time and a sports talk show host in North Florida with a lot of thoughts on college football as well covers the Gators, among others, very closely. So we visit with Frank Frangi on Radio Row. Frank, it's always great to catch up and see you in person with a non-game day stress situation here. <laughs> yeah, right? great to see you and Johnny. I love catching up with you boys, and uh, I kind of like it here. It's yeah. Other than the fact that it's uh, 33 degrees, real fill 23, and I might be the greatest cold-weather wimp ever. I got more goddamn layers on. I got yeah. them up top and up bottom and everything. So, but uh, always great to see you, fellas. Yesterday was uh, was nice here. Well, Seventy five was the high yesterday. It was yeah. a tease. It yeah. was good, and then all of a sudden, it this temperature hit last night. Like, phew, like yeah. what is this? Cause we we flew in. It was like seventy degrees. I'm like, yeah. I, Frank, I can't remember being up in Indianapolis. When we've because we've always played near the end of the year, right? Yeah. Always cold. And then we come to the combine, right? So it's January and February and March. Like we've, it's never been nice. One game, yeah. that's it. It's always been that way here. Uh, Frank, eight and three, the Jaguars sit after the 59-yard field goal hits the crossbar, yeah. and the Jags have got a two-game lead over the Texans in the division, over the Colts in the division. We obviously know how it turns out. This might be the most difficult question to ask. Why did it turn out that way? Yeah, and that's the one we've all been trying to answer. Uh, Doug Peterson sat with me for about 20 minutes yesterday. We tried to answer it with him. Uh, we're all trying to get there, John. I, uh, there's a myriad of things. My take is this. On 8-3, and three, on that first drive against Cincinnati, about to go, about to go up 7 nothing. Christian Kirk got hurt, gone for the year. He's a really good player. Yep. Zay Jones was hurt all year. Um, Cam Robinson played half the games. He missed eight games. I know everybody gets hurt. It's, yep. it's, it's a get-hurt league and next-man-up mentality. I know that. But I think when it started happening, Trevor played through ankle, shoulder, concussion, uh, knee. I just think it all snowballed and they lost their confidence. You lose a, you're still a young team. You lose a game. Yep. Then you lose another game. Now you don't have your leading receiver. Now you don't have your two receivers. Now Calvin Ridley's not as good because he was out there with guys who knew the offense better than him. I think it snowballed. And once that losing mentality gets there, it's hard to get over it, man. It's hard to beat it. They had the one win against Carolina, who isn't very good, that Beathard played, and uh, and then lost the last game. So I just think, John, I think it, 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 it snowballed and snowballed. You could feel it on the plane. Yeah. You could feel it. They were. It's a good culture. They're good guys. They couldn't get out. They couldn't yeah, get yeah. out of that losing funk. Next thing you know, the season's over. So I, I think it just. It all. It all started with the Kirk injury. Yeah. On that first series, 
Wally against Cincinnati when you're eight and three, mm -hmm. and they never picked up the pace up. Because he killed us. He's really Kirk good. killed us. I mean, yeah. right before the half, he takes that one all the way down to the yeah. one yard line, and I'm watching him run by me. I'm like, we're not covering Christian Kirk today. I mean, he's yeah. killing us, and really then he's player. gone for the rest of the year. And you think, okay, that would, that you could see in that game mm -hmm. that Trevor was starting to like that's his guy. Yeah, that's right. Thought it was Ridley first. But then it ended up being Kirk. I want to confess right now, I am stealing. It's a get hurt league. Yeah, okay, it that is. I am definitely going to take that one. It's a get yeah. hurt league because it's a get better league. Yeah. It's a next man up league, but it's a get hurt league. Everybody gets hurt. It's, yep. Everybody it's gets hurt. Everybody gets hurt. It's true. But and since we're all doctors on the radio, I thought I would mention this. <laughs> I think concussions for quarterbacks are very they're serious for everybody. Yeah. But as far as getting out there and playing again and being at the same level. I think it's tough for quarterbacks. When C.J. had his, I was glad that they kept him out as long as they felt necessary. Even though you want to see him play in these games, you got to do what's right. And Lawrence came back pretty quick. I'm not saying they brought him back yeah, too quick, yeah. Frank. But very often, uh, I've seen it with Brian Hoyer with the Texans in 2015. Yep. Quarterbacks might not be the same after a concussion, especially when there's other things involved as well with Lawrence. He was playing through a lot of stuff. And – it's going to be a much better situation if he can hit the starting line healthy in 2024. That's obvious. No question. So back, back to the quarterbacks uh, getting hurt. Quarterbacks run more than they've ever run. Yep. Not just running the ball, but running around in the pocket. There's RPO now. There's nakeds. There's more to that than there's ever been. And that has collided with the league doing a very good thing and paying more attention to the potential CTE than they've ever paid. So I think those two worlds, Mark, collided, and you've got a lot of quarterbacks with concussions. You're right about that. Trevor's a good player. Trevor Lawrence, he threw a lot of picks this year. He he didn't have his receivers. He played her. He's a tough guy. Doug told me yesterday, he said, you know, Frank, he said Trevor would never admit this. He'd say, no, nah, I'm fine, I'm fine. He The injuries really affected him. Mm -hmm. When it's your knee and your ankle, you're throwing off your back foot, it affects the ball a little bit. Sure. When it's your shoulder on your throwing side, and he couldn't practice. And so when you can't practice, it affects everything. So, and again, I sound like I'm making excuses. I don't mean it that way. It's just my honest opinion. Right. I, I, I think Trevor's going to be fine. But this was a wake-up call. I also think this. The Jags have been lousy forever. We know that. I, I've called the games. The Jags have had a, been a struggling franchise. All of a sudden, two years ago, they are pretty good. They won the division. They didn't run away. But they were, they're 9-8. and eight. They're pretty good. Well, you got to kind of learn how to be good. Yeah. So you got to kind of learn to be the team that's on top of the division. The, the Texans, even though you've, there's been recent struggles, the Texans won that division a bunch of years in a row, yep. you know. So the Jags haven't had that. So they have to learn to be the team that everyone's shooting for, to play the first-place schedule, to deal with the psychology of that. And I think last year was part of that learning. I really do. I think their they're, they're team's going to be in good shape. I really believe that. Frank, Jaguars' to-do list this offseason. I mean, obviously, we've talked a little bit about it. You know, Trevor's going into his fourth year, so he could get the extension. Yeah. you got Josh Allen, defensive end Josh Allen. Yeah. Is an unrestricted free agent. Don't know if he'll be franchised. What's kind of the to-do list for the Jags as you go into uh, 2024? Well, in terms of in terms of taking care of their own, that's your quite where, where you're going, John, with the question. Uh, Josh Allen's going to be on the team. He had 17 and a half sacks. He's the best pass rusher, maybe the best pass rusher they've ever had. Yeah. Uh, he'll now you you can tag him. You don't want to do that. You got another week. Uh, hopefully, you can get it done before the week's out. And then, if you if you can sign him to an extension without tagging him, then I think you tag Calvin Ridley because yeah. I think you want Ridley on the team. And so because I think with Kirk and Zay Jones and Ridley and Evan Ingram, you've got a pretty good core there. So I, so I think you want to try. So goal number one is to sign Allen. If not, you tag him. Yep. Then you can't tag Calvin. You could sign Calvin, but then you owe the Falcons a second-round pick. But those two are the two priorities. After that, 
They've got to make a lot of decisions on guys that are under contract that they could save money if they cut them. Cam Robinson would cost them $16 million. They could save $16 million on the cap if you cut him. And you got Anton Harrison, your right tackle, who's going to be the left tackle at some point. Walker Little's going to be the right tackle at some point. Do you make that move now? Or with the cap being bigger than everybody thought it was going to be, do you, do you, do you say, no, nah, we'll, we'll keep him another year? Rayshon Jenkins, good safety. Probably saves him about $8 million. Zay Jones saves him about $5 million. Do you cut these guys in their last year of their deals? Or do you say, no, nah, our window's open. Let's go try and win right now. That's what they've got to decide. Yep. I would think that and from a salary standpoint, not talking about procurement of new guys, but of a salary standpoint, kind of where you're going with the question, John, I think those are the key things. Yeah. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars with us. All right, I know you follow the Gators closely. You host a talk show in North Florida. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson because he exited the stage relatively early last season. Colts have a good year anyway, lose week 18. We all know what happened. How good do you think Anthony Richardson is going to be based on yeah. what you saw in college and what you saw his brief time in the NFL so far? Here's the thing, Mark. He's a great talent and a great kid. He is a selfless, good person, wonderful teammate. And you know he's 6'3 and a half, 6'4, 240, can run out of sight. Super fast, super physical, super tough. He, he, he became a more accurate pad. The question was his accuracy. I think he became more accurate than everyone thought. I think he's got all the goods, both the software and the hardware. The question is, can he stay on the field? Mm -hmm. uh, he only played 13 games in college in large part because he was hurt a lot. It'd be a hamstring one week. It'd be a groin the next week. It'd be, it was, and, and that happened a lot. It, there was a little stuff that he couldn't get healthy. They, they, he, I, tell you, I can tell you, the, the, the family, the, 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 his personal trainer, they brought in people nutritionists and PTs and just what do we do? When he gets to the league, plays three, two or three games, gets hurt again. Yeah. And so so what he's got a pre – if he wasn't in our dang division, I'd be rooting harder for him than anybody <laughs> yeah. else because yeah. I, really, I really like him. But I do think the fair answer to that, Mark, he's got to prove he can stay on the field. You, the best abilities availability, isn't that the cliche? And, and it's just it – just, um, so we'll see. But I think he's going to be a very good player in today's NFL – where quarterbacks are mobile and physical and run and throw, I think he's going to be very good if he can stay on the field. Okay, I got two of them, and they're going to be polar opposites, but I'm going to build off of that. I'm All giving right. you a one-word answer. Yeah. Yes or no? Billy Napier at the University of Florida. No. Okay. But, but I want to expound on it, but knows the, <laughs> no, the one-word answer. Okay. Um, here's the other one. How's the London experiment going? Getting two back – you know, you guys did back-to-back -back weeks. After the game, you lost to Houston – you go over there for a couple weeks. You get a couple wins over there. Has that kind of turned into a, hey, we know what this is all about. We handle our business. You beat the Bills over there. What's kind of the London experience like, and what it's what was it like this past year doing the back-to-back? -back? I think the Jaguars would love to keep it this way forever. I think the Jags would love – I don't even in the negotiation for this new stadium, they're going to play the home game every year. Yep. I, I'd be surprised if that doesn't happen. As for the road game – if the league has trouble finding teams that want to go do it, the Jags would love to say, we'll be the road team. Yep. Just play back-to-back. -back. Right. It helped yeah. them last year. They won both games. They're comfortable. They know how to do it. Now, look, the, the union's got to get involved in that. The NFLPA's got to get involved. If players say, listen, that's too long to be there. NFL players, professional athletes are 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. the, the, the high percentage of professional athletes are in their 20s, which means they've just started their families. They're young, they're, they haven't been married long. They've got little kids. So that's a long time to be gone. Yep. And so they're going to have a say in that. And whether the, whether the union – and I don't know where that is, John, to your question. But yep. I, think, I think that's going to uh, – the real world is that's going to come into play. Yep. Big picture, I think the Jags would love it. Um, I, 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 for us, 
it's a wonderful trip. But for the first, yeah. we've gone there every year. It's the first time I've ever taken my wife. Yeah. Because I wasn't gonna take my wife for three days, you know. Right. So it's been had to, but now for for nine days. Right. Right, Suzanne right. comes with me. We go to Ireland. We go. So we love it. But but I think the team, to your to your question, I think the one game is a home game will always be there. Yep. And I think the Jags would love to play the second game there as a road team if the league needs them to do that. Yep. Frank, you being the voice of the Jaguars, you would have a great vibe on this. What would it take to have a team or two in Europe, in London, Germany, yeah. whatever the case may be? How would you set it up? What's the best possible yeah. setup? Because I know this has to have come up many times yeah. on your show. It'll never happen. There will never, never there will never be an NFL team there. It'll never. There's okay. too there's too much you have to do, Mark. You have to bring in players for tryouts. Not every player's yeah. got a passport. You've got to bring you you got to cut players. You sign players. There's too much personnel activity. Uh, to you could you could never do it. You, I mean, you can't. How you gonna try guys? How many? I would say an NFL team tries out 50, 60 guys over the course of a year. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. At, at least yeah. that, right? At a minimum. Well, you, yeah. you can't do that now. They say, well, you can have a home base in yeah. in Atlanta, and, and and it doesn't work. So a team there is never is never going to work. What I do see is an expanded series of games abroad. You're already seeing games in Germany. You're going to see a game in Mexico. I think Roger Goodell wants to take this game internationally more than ever before. I think you could see games in China. I think you could see games in Japan. I, I think you could see games all over the place. I really believe that. But I, as far as a team being based there, I don't need to, the closest you could do is you'd have to base a division there, and uh, it had to be. But I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that day's ever coming. I'd be. I'd be shocked if that day ever comes. New defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, kind of football geek question, your thoughts, what yeah. he brings. He did a good job, I thought, with yeah. Atlanta. I thought that was a good get for Jacksonville. What's the overall thought, Frank, about Ryan Nielsen uh, as defense coordinator? He's a football coach, man. You know, yeah. some guys, they're a football coach. He, I, I got to spend a little time with him last night at, out at the restaurant for a bit. He's, he's a football coach. Uh, I like what he did. Yeah. It's, the, the message was clear. Doug Peterson gutted the whole staff, brought in a coordinator. The coordinator had a lot to do with, with, with the staff under him. Uh, I think he's going to be good. I, I think Mike Mike Caldwell is a good football coach. He was in demand as a linebackers coach the minute the Jags let him go. Yep. But he probably might not have been ready to be the coordinator. Right. Might not have been ready. There's a presence you have to have. I think Ryan's got that presence. They'll be better. Listen, this is a team that believes they're in their window. You know, when you're in your window, that's when you go get it. The uh, Back in the day, John, you remember this, but back in the 90s, mm-hmm. the Jaguars, the only other time they really were in a, uh, an extended window they went and signed Carnell Lake and Hardy yep. Nickerson and Bryce Pop and all these guys because you're in the window. Well, we haven't had many windows, okay? Mm-hmm. I think they feel like they're in the window now. And so so I think uh, that's why you go get the, the be- who you think was the best defensive coordinator on the market. I, I, th- I think you go out and I think they'll be active in free agency. They've got a little cap room. I, uh, I think you're, they're going to try to win right now. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us. As we said, you talk a lot of college football. So fix college football for me right now. <laughs> okay. You're Frank oh the Fixer. Boy. Yeah. That's a good name, it's I a guess. Good one. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to fix another sport in a moment here, but let's focus on college football because this has to come up a ton on the airwaves. The NIL stuff, it's crazy. It's the Wild West. Teams have entire departments, schools do, to deal with the portal and NIL. What do you think? It's never been more broken. College football has never been more non-like college football than it is right now. Never. It's never been more. It's uh, it's in that in that area now, Mark, where it's sort of a professional sport now. It's treated like a professional sport. Guys go to class. It's online classes if they even go to class. It's uh, everyone's getting paid. They're having endorsement deals. It's not what we know as college football. College football has to make a decision. Do they go back to what they were, 
when there's not NIL, mm. where where you do where you can't transfer three times, where you go back, which I don't think is ever going to happen, but or or <clears throat> do you go all in and make it a professional sport? I think college football should should pull away from the rest of college athletics. I think college football is treated different than the rest of those. I think they should have their own league. I think that there should be the 64 teams or however many. I think it should be essentially the, the uh, professional league. Players get paid. Teams have a salary cap. I th- and I think that's where college football is going to get to yep. at some point. I think the Big Ten and the SEC are going to mandate that because they're going to pull away from everybody else. So, <clears throat> Mark, right now you're in the middle. You can't you – can't, we don't even know what – what is it right now? We don't even know what it is. Yeah. Is, it, is it a pro sport? Is it an amateur sport? It's never been more broken. Now, having said that, I can't wait to watch the 12 teams. <laughs> uh, but let me, but, but, uh, let me connect this to a question John asked me earlier, Billy Napier. Billy Napier would have been a fantastic hire 10 years ago. He's a great recruiter. Kids love him. High school coaches love him. Handlers love him. Parents love him. He's a, he knows how to build it. He's a good person. He could really recruit. Then all of a sudden, here comes NIL. And here comes the portal. And now you don't do it that way anymore. Now you have to – do you have the most money? Are you a smooth talker? Can you can you raise money? Can you get guys to come for one year? And that's never what he was going to be. So right. – and on top of that, this year – have you seen the schedule this year? It was called oh, – it's brutal. It's called – some people think the hardest schedule in college football history. It's you play, brutal. You're, the non-conference are Miami, Florida State, UCF. Yeah. Okay. The in-conference at Texas – LSU at Ole Miss, or maybe Ole Miss home game, Georgia, uh, so Tennessee. It it will be his hardest. So he's going to win four games, five games, yep. and they're going to fire him. Yep. It's a shame because I think he's actually a pretty good guy to run a program. I don't know if he's a great coach, but uh, but I think I think he's going to go four and eight, five and seven, and get fired. All right, second sport you need to fix. Yes, golf because oh. you're in the hot. Oh, I'm of in golf. charge. Put me in charge. Yes, PGA headquarters there, Golf Hall of Fame there. What are we going to do, Frank? This is weird. Guys winning tournaments every week no one's ever heard of. Right. Ratings are not bad right now for the PGA. Live still nobody's watching relatively. Right. And they've got all the names. What is going on? What can you do about it? Well, first of all, two or three things have happened. First, there's the PIF and the Live, and they went and got a bunch of good players because John Rahm can make more money and play less golf. Why would he not take that deal? It's like the old USFL and the Memphis Showboats. Why would Jim Kelly and – Larry Zonk and Jim Kick a decade yeah, earlier. Yep. Why would they not do it? More money. Why would Jim Kelly not go to the Houston Gamblers? He's going to make more money, mm-hmm. and why, so so that's where that's where it I is. do have an answer, but go okay, on. But, but but that's where that's where it is right now. So so the so to compete with the money, the PGA Tour didn't have it. So the PGA Tour has now gone to Arthur Blank and some some big money uh, U.S. owners who can kind of compete financially. Once the tour gets to where it can compete financially, and that's starting to happen now. Once they've got money similar to the Saudi money that's being put into it, then you'll see a merger. Yep. You'll it, it'll it'll merge. It may be another year. It may not. It may not. Maybe at the most another year or two. Then you'll see the World Golf Association. You'll see the WGA, uh, the the WGA, the World Golf League, and they'll all be in it. And there might be different divisions, just like there are in the AFC okay. NFC. But you'll ultimately, it's going to happen. There's going to be the World Golf Association, whatever they wind up calling it. And it'll be based partially in Jacksonville. It'll be based partially in, in Europe. And, and there'll be different divisions. And there'll be one champion. And there'll be one tour champion. So, so it's, it's coming. There's no, there's no doubt I don't doubt like the coming. live format. Yeah. Watching it on TV. The team it's like, format. It's like watching yeah. Bloomberg on yeah. my screen yeah, and all the music. So you got to think like an F1 but, fan at yeah. that point. Uh, because yeah. But that'll go that's away. That's an international thing. Yeah. That F1, the, t- right. the way they do things, it makes – it adds drama. 
Yeah. You have the team concept and yeah. yet individuals outfit. Yeah. It's but, it's a lot of drama, Mark. And you know what does TV look for? But my guess what does TV is, look for? But that's going away. That, well, what you ultimately have oh, when, when, this, when this World Golf League Association, whatever's formed, it'll be it'll be four day stroke play tournaments, which is what the PGA. It's my opinion. Yeah. And and look, those the guys that went to live, mm-hmm. Dustin Johnson and John Rahm and everything, they don't care about the team. They you, know, you know what they care of about? Not. They care if they want to make more money and play less exactly. golf. Exactly. And they want and they and they want Boom. To, and so and that's what's going to happen. So there will be there's going to be the merge and it's going to happen at some point. All I know are there are billions of fans for F1 around the world that love the team concept. Yeah. No. And I, I, we work in a team sport with a lot of individuals yeah. that want individual things. So it's I, different. You're just not in a sport like golf that is so purely individual mm-hmm. to think about it in a team concept is extremely I, I, difficult yeah and i and, and for that reason it's, that's what you said the we, we spent we spent too much time right too many decades right. believing this is how you do it right the concept is too strange yeah, I, I, right. I don't i don't I, it, it, it's, it's like having two outs in an inning you're not going to change the two outs in an inning because you had three outs in an inning for 100 years. It's like people watching Premier League soccer and love the relegation, love yeah, the promotion. Right. That's a big deal in Premier League soccer. And you think, yeah. okay, how can we translate that to you know, American sports? And you're like, you can't because it just hasn't been a concept yeah. here. It's by too the, foreign. It's too different. Yeah, by the way, that's a great concept. Oh, you know, I love the, it. The, if you're, I mean, you know who ought to have that? Baseball should have that. I mean, ba- 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 baseball, baseball wow. should have relegation because then – Let's just say you're a – I'm randomly saying this, but let's say you're a play-by-play football guy in Jacksonville who loves the Pittsburgh Pirates. Just random. Just, just, just <laughs> throw it out there. Just, random. Just throw it out there. And, just, and if you're randomly that guy, you are forever pissed that the Pittsburgh Pirates always suck. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, well, right. if they were getting relegated to AAA, then they'd be motivated to not suck. Right. So I love relegation in baseball. Yeah, that's a, it, interesting. That, that would make you, it very interesting. And you'd have an Indianapolis team like this right. one. It goes up. They had that nice stadium here. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. They go up. They go up. Not bad, Frank. You're awesome. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, fellas. Fun sit-down with Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, here on Radio slash Media Row at the NFL Scouting Combine. Among the Texans' opponents this year, the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Let's check in with an expert on what's going on in their building, Mike Dussault from Patriots.com. Among other things we'll get to before the close of business today, it's Texans All Access. Final chapter of tonight's episode of Texans All Access is here, and we like to preview some of the opponents of the upcoming season. We'll be doing that a lot this offseason. The New England Patriots, one of them, going to Gillette Stadium where the Texans have never won. Can they get it done this year in the post-Belichick era? Let's get to know the Patriots, this year's version of them, a little bit better. Look, this year's version. The league year hasn't even officially started, but you know what we're saying. As Mike Dussault from Patriots.com sits down at our table, and Johnny starts him off with a fastball, a question about the Patriots documentary streaming on Apple TV. How do the Patriots people feel? And when I say Patriots people, I mean just fans, people in the building. Yeah. How do they feel about this documentary that's out? Well, Which I, new episodes drop sure. tomorrow? Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting because I think you know initially you thought this was going to be for the fans, and I think a lot of fans thought it was going to you know, and of course we knew the controversial stuff would be covered. Um, but I think what was most surprising, at least to me, 
I haven't seen these episodes that are gonna that are gonna drop tonight. Uh, but having seen the first four, it was like, well, you know, we had a 21 game win streak and we won two Super Bowls. They kind of glanced right over that, exactly, yeah. and we re- went right into Spygate. So I, I think Patriots fans were a little bit, you know, just disappointed because I think that that deserves to be highlighted. I mean, 21 game win streak and those those two teams were outstanding. So we kind of skipped that part. I'm curious yep. to see how it goes. Well, I heard why they did that though, why they skipped over it because they feel like that stuff was covered in America's Game and it's been covered at length yep. elsewhere. And they have a different agenda going sure. on here. Sure. No, don't absolutely. They? That's and that's you know what I think we realize is that this is they're trying to tell the whole story and they're trying to tell it from an outside perspective and they're trying to you know highlight some of the drama. So it it is what it is. You know, we just have to uh, accept what they do. But we we've got full podcast breaking it down internally and you know talking about every episode and oh good. Um, so we've got we've got you know we want to hear our reactions. You go to patriots.com and hear all that. Mike Dusso, patriots.com. You've been with the Patriots for five years with the organization, so it's been a heck of a five years <laughs> transition in five years yeah you got here at the end of the era and you're starting a new one and what is that like being in the building with the new staff everything is brand new it feels like it's been a big switch it's been a big switch indeed um you know just from right the get-go when they introduced gerard uh you know we i've been coming to the combine this is my i think my fourth combine in the last five years um you know first time we got a chance to talk to elliot wolf we got elliot wolf came and sat down with us you know usually the patriots didn't even have a representative here at the combine speaking on on tuesday or wednesday so it was exciting for us as a content team to be able to you know have elliot sit down we got to talk to gerard yesterday morning so um it's certainly presenting us more opportunities opportunities as a content team to you know highlight but there's a lot of a lot of changes coming in I mean the the system was in place for for 20 plus years and it's uh it's it's a little bit jarring I think as things are changing a little bit behind the scenes Mike when I was at the senior bowl something struck me that I I texted Mark immediately afterwards and I was down on the field on senior bowl and I I just kind of walked the length of the field and just kind of take in everything that's going on and I get near the quarterbacks and I could see a couple of guys with their cameras and they're taking these you know intricate shots and how the videographers and I look down and I'm like I see this guy with a red sweatshirt this is Patriots and I'm like man that dude didn't have to worry about that not he wasn't him but just in general he didn't have to worry about that for 20 years and you didn't I mean you might have drafted a Garoppolo or Brissett etc but it wasn't top of mind you knew it was Tom and that's the way you go now there's been some change. Yeah. Mac is drafted in 21. Things haven't gone so great the last couple of years, and now you're sitting at number three. And I thought about him as he was filming, and I thought, man, there's a reason. They want to know all these quarterbacks. They want to know him inside and out. At number three, what do you think What do you think happens? Do you think they trade for a quarterback? Do you think they sign a free agent if Kirk Cousins becomes available? Or do you think number three is spent on a quarterback? I mean, it sounds like the scuttlebutt around here this week has been that they want a quarterback. And, you know, I mean, look, we just we look at the Texans, what you guys did last year. And, and, you know, we were able to to hit with C.J. Stroud. And I think, you know, we're all kind of holding that up right now as as maybe, you know, I don't think we can turn it around quite as quick. But um, I think the quarterback, if you're up at three, that's what you have to do. And and right now the conversation we're having, though, and that we keep kind of throwing in is – well, isn't Marvin Harrison probably the top guy in your draft pick when you get to number three? And, yeah. you know, do you ignore that? Yeah. Do you ignore the chance to, you know, get a p- potential generational receiver? I mean, I, I think Malik Neighbors is outstanding too. Yeah. So I do think there's some question of that. But but the hard part right now is the Patriots don't really have a left or a right tackle. Uh, you know, Michael Owenu is a free agent. He played right tackle last year. I don't know if that's the best spot for him. Uh, they could bring him back, but they have needs at running. Uh, I'm sorry. They have needs at tackle. They have obviously need a quarterback. And, they need to, as Elliot Wolf said earlier this week, they need to weaponize the offense. Yep. So there's a long way to go on the offensive side of the ball, a lot of ways to skin the cat. But I think at the end of the day, take the quarterback. There's Mike Dusso of Patriots.com. And we've actually got a lot more with him that I'll put up on a Vanderpod or we'll play it next week or we'll do something with it. 
And coming up is a show you need to be listening to. It is Area 45 with Patrick Creighton and Sean Bajani. Stay tuned for that and check us out tomorrow as we'll have Andrew Siciliano on. We'll have Rhett Lewis on. You never know who's going to stop by. So check us out and check out this show in podcast form on HoustonTexans.com or Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great night. Go Texans.